A word of warning. This podcast may contain themes that some listeners might find distressing. Not always, but sometimes. However, this podcast will definitely contain strong language. Therefore, if neither of these things sound appealing, it's probably not the podcast for you then, is it? Hello and welcome. Firstly, I want to say sorry for the delay in getting the latest episode of this podcast out. Life has been busy. But here we are, and I'm very excited to present to you today's episode. Well, more accurately, the next two episodes. I am joined by Alex Holmes and David Chambers, who will introduce themselves later in the episode, so I'm not going to bother here, to discuss the patriarchy from a men's perspective. This is a conversation between men I have been wanting to have for a long time. The motivations for this particular conversation are explored in the episode, so I won't duplicate them here. But I guess I wanted to get across the point how important I think conversations between men, like the one you're about to hear, are. The original conversation is over two hours long, so I had to split it in two halves. In this first episode, we discuss how some men, specifically those in online spaces whose views align with the manosphere rhetoric, deny the existence of the patriarchy. We explore the common definition used in this argument and some of the common evidence put forward to deny the existence. And hopefully, between Alex, David and I, we provide enough evidence to highlight the reasons for why this denial is unhelpful and and inaccurate. I hope you enjoy it and I hope you find some value and learning in this episode. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed having the conversation. Okay, um, well, hello, David and Alex, and welcome to the Nicest Ramblings podcast. Um, I guess, uh, just to say, I've said it uh, earlier, as we were saying hi, I'm very grateful and very excited to have you both on the podcast. Uh, I'm big fans of, I guess, the work that you guys do in and around discussions of, uh, you know, men's issues and masculinity and stuff like that. So um, when I put the when I put the request out for anybody that wanted to talk about the patriarchy from a men's perspective, um, I was very grateful that you guys volunteered. Uh, actually, David, you were the first one that was like me, please. I'm uh, I'm happy to jump on board of this conversation. Um, so Alex, David is a lot more eager than you. Just saying, not that anything's a competition, but you know. Um, I'd be winning things (laughs) you'd be winning things for a long time (laughs) Um, okay so I'm not going to lie people who are listening to this podcast probably know who both of you are but I guess you know in the in the slim chance that's you know this podcast is heard by an international audience that doesn't just follow my Instagram accounts um, I guess uh, could you guys just sort of say a bit about um, who you are um, what you do and that'd be great. So, David, just because uh, you're on the sort of the first one on my screen, if you we could start with you, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, I am David Chambers. I'm a men's dating relationship and intimacy coach. Um, I work with men and have done for the last few years around helping them be more kind of aware, more connected to the people they date and themselves as well. A big part of what the work I do is helping men create more self-awareness of themselves internally but also their place in the world and how the world interacts with them so that they can connect far better with other people um and part of that work obviously starts to overlap into masculinity which is something i've talked about more and more and you know masculinity being a structure that we inherit um it's important that as men they start to learn to use that masculinity in a way that is positive for them and others in the world instead of just inheriting it in starting to take a really close look at what it is so yeah that's that's the work that's the work that i do okay, cool. thank you very much 
And Alex, over to you. Yeah, it's good work, man. Um, yeah, I'm Alex Holmes. I'm a therapeutic coach. Um, essentially, I apply uh, psychotherapeutic techniques to my coaching um, in order to kind of get people out of where they are to where they want to be next. Um, I'm currently a trainee psychotherapist, so that would just enable me to work at more depth in other areas going forward. But um, I typically, I work with everybody, but I typically work with men um, around emotional intelligence, emotional awareness, um, generally helping them to become more emotionally wise. Um, I think that that is something that we struggle with as a society because of the nature of, as David said, what we inherited, what we inherit. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm there to, you know, move from this disconnection of mind and body and figure out a way that we can get to an embodied space. And, um, and you know, and just create the language to be able to have these conversations on a, on a wider level with ourselves, with the people we love. Um, and yeah, and not to be so misunderstood. Um, just temper our emotions because honestly I've seen some real real toddlers out there that are like 65 and it's just it's not cute man it's not cute (laughs) all right thank you very much for introducing yourselves um so I suppose um we both we I mean we all know why we're here and not both of us we all three know why we're here um so we're here to I guess to to talk about um the mysterious patriarchy and I say the mysterious patriarchy because um the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because um you know as both of you know because you're um quite active on social media things like that there are I guess male-led or men-led accounts that exist uh, in what's known as, I suppose, the manosphere, uh, which is the part of the internet that um, is, uh, for lack of a better phrase, kind of anti-feminist, uh, more pro-men uh, in the idea that uh, basically they think that sort of feminism has gone too far and um, men are essentially becoming more and more disenfranchised because as a consequence of the sort of feminist movements and things like that. And I suppose one of the one of the things that I notice quite often um, in terms of my, uh, I guess, when I see these accounts is the, is I guess the denial of you know what we'll call the patriarchy or I guess patriarchal power or patriarchal systems I guess for, for you know for whatever you want to call it, um, and the reason they deny it is because a um, as men they feel that they don't benefit from a system that apparently supposedly is designed for men. So they themselves are disenfranchised or um, know of disenfranchised men. So therefore they kind of say, well, because, you know, my life is shit or because I'm struggle with this or because of all those kind of things, the patriarchy can't exist. Um, And then there is the other sort of um, side of things where there is, you know, apparently this overwhelming body of evidence to suggest that society actually disadvantages men in a way that also suggests that, you know, feminism has gone too far. Um, which then basically, you know, serves to invalidate the, the I guess, the entire notion that, um, you know, feminism uh, or the feminist movement or women within the feminist movement, not even just women in the feminist movement, just individuals within the feminist movement who identify as feminists or at, at least, you know, sort of egalitarians and things like that. They kind of de, um, 
invalidates the, the experiences of women, particularly who are sort of more hardest hit by the patriarchy. So I guess that's kind of my reason as to why I wanted to have this conversation today. And I guess, I suppose I'm, I'm interested really um, as to why you two are both um, keen to talk about this. Um, so I suppose, uh, Alex, if, um, you know, why do you think you're interested in talking about this and why does this conversation interest you? Good question. I'm I'm interested in speaking about this because it's I look at <clears throat> I look at life in this really um, interesting way filled with patterns and things that we see and are very much there but we um, tactfully avoid when it gets too difficult and um, the way that society is structured and built um, and has run for I want to say the past you know five hundred years. <laughs> has generally been around um, capitalism, um, a patriarchal focus, and a white supremacist focus. <clears throat> All of that stuff, um, it does help underpin the, the ideas and notions that we have right now. And I think that several things have happened and occurred over time that have seen us question these structures right about now. Um, I go down the astrological route and do we're in the age of Aquarius and the age of Capricorn is ending but we're not going to go there because I feel like <laughs> we just it'll take you too far too far astray but if we look at what has been happening with regards to the the gender question and um, the patriarchy question is that we are seeing a systematic pushback with regards to patriarchal focus and we've seen that we you know it be it made its resurgence um and with a very a very potent resurgence came with the me too movement um it began to call to question powerful men and men who are not being held accountable in every industry that's from the top down and in the uk we've seen it like occur within the highest form of our um, social structures. And, um, and that's the patriarchy question. The coronavirus came and it really tapped into the class issue in the UK. Everybody was said to work from home, you know, kids stay at home and you know, stay with your parent under the assumption that there were supportive family structures under the assumption that everybody had access to internet <laughs> under the assumption that everybody had access to a garden under the assumption that um, everybody had the privilege of space. And I think that was really important too. So we had the class question being rattled and shaken in this really strange jar that we've got going around in our, if we're talking about spheres, um, that's containing all of these oppressive cycles. But then we also have the questions around the race issue. Black Lives Matter made its resurgence, Asian hate, um, came with the coronavirus and we've seen um, Islamophobia and these things kind of crop up over the past 10, 20 years but it's also it's just remaining so prominent um, in our cultures and things are shaking up and I think things are all coming to this really weird head and I think that patriarchy is the last thing mm -hmm. that people that is just being that people are typically men are holding on to mm -hmm. as a way of really trying to maintain this level of identity and um it's 
when I look at certain things throughout history and I look at, you know, you know, as you know, Daniel, and as I mentioned, I'm training as a psychotherapist. And when I'm looking at the psychotherapists that have come before us, they all are white men, pretty much. Yes, they are. Apart from the odd Simone de Beauvoir, who speaks to the quote unquote woman issue. But there isn't really many, there aren't any other people of color. Um, and if they are of a different um, sexuality, they're just, you know, they're, they're front facing as a white man, generally, um, or a white woman. And so it's just, I'm just curious about the, about where we're going, what has to change, where we're stepping into now um, with all this stuff. And um, there are, there's a, as you mentioned um, prior to this, there are a group of men who are trying to hold on to that identity. Um, a lot of white men who don't feel like they have much of an identity to hold on to, hold, try to grab onto anything that they can to maintain this. And it's like, nah, bro, we can't be doing that. Like, we, like things like, you know, it's like, when, it's like when you're trying to hold a crumbling family together yeah. by forcing them and like beating them into submission. And it's like, if you just let things fall the way it's supposed to fall, you can figure out or take some accountability or figure out how you change, you know, and then we yeah. can make, we can progress towards greater healing. So yeah, that's where I'm at with okay. it. Um, cool. It interests me. And I think, I think one of the things that I really picked up on there and I think actually um, stands out for me is this idea that there are, there are a lot of, there are a lot of conversations or a lot of agitations around certain ways of thinking or sort of, you know, the world being seen in a particular way that's being shaken up quite a lot. Um, And I think it's, it's quite, it was a very sort of insightful point that you made that sort of the patriarchy is kind of the last thing standing at the moment. And there is this kind of um, maybe perhaps almost desperate kind of um, last ditch effort to sort of hold on to that by its almost blatant denial, but then also almost using the, well, look, look at all this evidence of how men have it, you know, shit. So it can't be true because if it were true, then all of this stuff wouldn't be happening to men. And I think that's quite a really sort of uh, insightful um, point to make. So thank you for that. Um, David and yourself, what's, what brought you to this conversation? Why are you sitting here? Well, not here because you're not in the UK. You're, as we discussed, somewhere far more sunny um but why are you there having this conversation um because through my life especially in the last 20 years of my life I've spoken to I grew up in a house of women four women so I have seen firsthand some of the effects on women of the patriarchy and I didn't know what it was when I first saw it. It was only in the last probably five, six, seven years that I've known it as that, as that word. Um, and I've looked around me and I've seen a world and experienced a world in multiple countries where you're like, wow, everything operates so similarly in such a similar fashion. And it doesn't necessarily benefit the masses of this country. It benefits these people up here that you don't really see or really know much about who have power and wealth and success. I remember being in Colombia, maybe this is completely unrelated, but I remember being in Colombia and walking through the streets of Medellin and it's like, there's these beautiful places in Medellin, it's a lovely place. And then someone showed me this empty building. It's completely, it's like an eight story building. It's completely empty. And Pablo Escobar used to own it. And it's still empty. 
it's in a prime location in the city and it's like the gov the person said to me the government cannot sort out what they want to do with it because they're all squabbling about who's going to get the money and you're like wow yeah there's people on the streets here but we're squabbling over who gets the money from this thing and it's just kind of tied into the capitalism so i guess for me part of the reason i'm here is to learn you know you know, to sit with two wonderful men and talk about a topic that, you know, I know about, but I'm sure there's a lot I don't know about. So it's partly in it for my learning. But also from a point of view of, of the work I do in dating and relationships, I see how the patriarchy and its views on how we should be really disenfranchise both men and women in, in, in this area. You know, like Alex was talking about men's emotional literacy. It's like, why is men's emotional literacy so low? And I'm sure we'll talk about this. It's like because the patriarchy deems that emotions are unnecessary because they get in, get in the way of productivity. But also, it also damages happiness, for instance, and the way in which we can build happy families that connect and are not necessarily the most productive. So there's 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 a lot of that for me. And there's also just like the idea, very much what Alex said is like, how can we start to loosen the grip on thinking? on the ideas that we have because a lot of these ideas we hold on very dearly to of being right and correct we don't often take enough time to look at them and go wait does, does this work like let's let go of right and wrong and just say does this work for us does this work for us and the people we love and the people we don't know that we could love and the the people around us that are struggling does this work and if we started to ask that question more, especially around the patriarchy, we might start loosening some of our grip around how things have to be or, and so forth. So I'm always really up for any conversation that starts to challenge my own thinking and the thinking of other people that can kind of open my mind, open my heart even to other people and just like bring a bit more peace to my own mind and other people's. Thanks for that. Um... I guess what I was picking up on there, I guess you, you were talking about, and, um, and Alex, you touched on this, this idea that um, the, the, the patriarchy affects individuals on a very sort of individualistic basis. So you talked about how, you know, you grew up in a house of four women and you noticed the, the, the impact. Obviously you didn't know it at the time, but um, you sort of sort of cottoned onto it later on in life. So there's the, I guess there's the individual level in which sort of the patriarchy impacts on, on people. Um, but then also you've both touched on this idea of, I guess, um, you know, this capitalistic nature of, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's also, and I think that's something that we also I'd like to just um, be aware of is that when we talk about patriarchy, it's not just necessarily about, you know, um, gender issues. There's a there's an entire raft of um, other kind of ideological um, beliefs and structures that have been put in place along these sort of patriarchal lines. And there are things like capitalism, there are things like um, the class system, you know, in terms of. Um, how how money defines your worth in terms of your productivity and what your uh, you know your skill set is and then how much you earn as a human being which then also we then tie into how much we value certain people <clears throat> in society Alex you talked about the you know um, I guess or maybe you you didn't necessarily mention it but in my head I made the link between sort of notions of patriarchy and I guess white supremacy and I guess you know the one of the things that I'd quite like to try and think about is um you know how how white supremacy and patriarchy are both 
I guess, linked, but also how they're similar in terms of them being structures that are invisible, but yet have these kind of tendrils that filter out into society and have the, um, I guess, ad adverse impacts that they do. Um, okay. Well, thank you very much. And I feel like, and I suppose just to, just for the listener, the reason why I wanted to contextualize the, the reasons for being here is because, um, as you've heard, um, both Alex, David, um, and myself have, the, you know, vested interest in wanting to have these conversations, not necessarily just for the purposes of, of having the conversations, but actually to try and untangle um, what the patriarchy is, how it exists, why it exists, but then also um, who it impacts, how it impacts, um, and I guess, I guess the crux being that it's also, it shouldn't just be women that have these conversations. Um, you know, they're not the only ones who are impacted by it. Um, but even if they were the only ones being impacted by it, we should still be having these conversations as men because, you know, it is our ancestry, it is our lineage, as much as we might not want to, as much as we might not like it, it is, you know, part and parcel of our history. So, um, as you, as you said, David, it's about trying to challenge and think about, does this work? And if it's not working, what can we do differently? Okay. Um, so one of the things I want to start off with, uh, and, and I think um, the reason why I want to start here is because I think this is where a lot of the sort of manosphere men's rights um, sort of movements or accounts or, or sort of voices or rhetoric on the internet starts is the, is the evidence around why the patriarchy doesn't exist. So one of the things that I want to talk about is, I guess, th there's a definition that I've seen on, and th there's a particular account, and you might not necessarily know the history that I have with this account, David, but Alex, you know the history that I have with this account. Um, it's, uh, it's called the Tin Men account. Um, and I've, <laughs> I've subsequently been blocked by the Tin Men because I don't think he appreciated my, uh, what shall we say, challenges to, I guess, his notions of the things that he was talking about. But Daniel, I was unfollowed. But you were unfollowed? I was unfollowed because oh, wow. I, I'm just speaking about masculinity in a completely different way. Oh, and did he tell <laughs> you that he was unfollowing you because of that? No, you could never, you could never come to me with that kind of energy. Oh. <laughs> oh that you just noticed, you just noticed one day that he was, that he, that he, was, poofed, that he was there. This is strange. Anyway. Uh, uh, so it's not just me then. It's not just me. Oh, that's good. It's good. It's good to know that I'm in good company then as well. Um, so I guess the reason why I, I, I talk about him specifically and this definition is because it's, it's, it's a definition that seems to crop up on various different uh, what I like to do is I, I don't like to think of myself as somebody that's a shit stirrer necessarily, but I feel like if there are posts that exist on the social sphere, I like to try and have conversations as, I guess, constructively as I can. And quite often this definition is the one that people come up and say, when I talk about the patriarchy, they go, what patriarchy? As the patriarchy as defined by, and this is the definition... So the, the definition they use is a system of society or government in which the father or eldest male is head of the family and descent is reckoned through the male lines. Now, the reason they use this, or the, I don't know, I don't know if this is the particular reason, but for whatever reason, they use this um, definition because then they then turn around and go, well, men are no longer head of the households or men are no longer seen as um you know important within the family or 
um, one of the things that they like to talk about is how uh, men are, and I, I, I paraphrase here, but they essentially they're trying to say that men are being fucked over in family courts and losing the rights to their children and things like that, which right. again, like, you know, there are cases I'm sure where men aren't being granted the privileges to see their children and things like that. Um, and I don't want to d- diminish what that's like because that, that's obviously harsh, but at the same time, that feels like a very, very um, cherry picked definition of what the patriarchy is in order to then say, oh, the patriarchy doesn't exist because of, of look, that you know, men or aren't in charge of family households. Yeah. Go ahead, Alex. I find it, and, and, and you know what, I have to bring some compassion to that as a reason for people to be like, cause you know, everybody goes through their stuff. Everybody goes mm-hmm. through, we, we go through with so many things in a lifetime. And um, there are moments where it comes and you know, when it does come to the family and it comes to family fractures and things happen mm-hmm. um, and even interrelationally, like, yeah, there are things that don't go necessarily in favor of the man. But mm-hmm. I think that I always have to say, I always have to say to people, well, that is the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. That is the, that is the patriarchy because it, it punish, it then punishes the man for not upholding the definition and but there's never it's so many gray areas that does kind of that does fill into that with regards to when we start to obviously trigger warning we start to look into abuse and we start to look into abuses of power and we start to look into questions around the family values and what a man should be like inside the home because those things are never uh, mentioned when we start talking about the patriarchy in that definition you mentioned there was no question of caring and loving and embracing and nurturing a family as the leader of their family that's not in the language the language is cold and the language is really bland and dry and it's and people to interpret that as power and dominance and when it's been interpreted when it's been interpreted like that we start to when people make these kind of um suggestions it's usually in the context of i don't have any power over my family over if it's a heterosexual situation over my wife Mm -hmm. over my children Mm -hmm. over the women they don't they don't you know they don't respect me they don't do all this different stuff Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of where David's work comes in about really trying to get people to mm-hmm. recognize how to use that level of masculinity. Correct me if I'm wrong, David. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to jump in at this point, but you know, just generally that kind of understanding your masculinity to the point of where it's kind of holistic in mm-hmm. a sense. Mm-hmm. I will jump in, yeah. <clears throat> because there's an element there you said of like leading, right? And I think... I did a whole workshop recently about relationship leadership and a guy at the end of the workshop said something I think quite interesting. He was like, he was very nervous when he saw the title of the workshop. I was running it for a friend of mine's uh, men's group. And then he said at the end, he goes, but what I really got from the whole workshop was this really heart-centered leadership of a relationship, like leading from love and, and nurturing and growth of yourself your partner and the relationship as an entity and I was just like yeah that's what I'm about you know and 
you know, inside of this idea of like the cold clinical idea of leading your family, it lacks those things, right? Because the patriarchy doesn't want us to be too loving and caring about because we're commodities <laughs> inside the patriarchy. You need to look at your children as almost like a, another commodity. And I want to go back to the definition that you you said before, Daniel. Is is that that definition isn't in itself incorrect, right? But it's the use of the definition that is problematic, yeah. right? Because it's like, oh, I can't remember the exact words, but the the father or the the male being the the head of the family or social structure. There's nothing inherently wrong in that, in of itself, right? It's the version of patriarchy, which we often call the patriarchy, which is the problem. It's the use of the lead, the, the power or being head of, or the male, the, the masculine being the leader that actually is the problem, is the patriarchy which our world is, is governed by that really is the problem so their definition that definition there's nothing wrong with that it's in the dictionary somewhere i'm sure it is yeah it's the it's the first it's the first definition that comes up on google um so yeah no i agree i agree with you there sorry i, I cut you off what were you saying yeah and it's, it's nothing wrong with it right but it's actually acknowledging that that is one definition but the patriarchy which governs our, our world systems our economic systems our class systems our race systems our history Mm -hmm. is has been used in a very i like to say immature way that's that's my take on it right it's a very immature way of of using that power which is mm -hmm. often quite fear-based if you really come back to it there's just like i need to do what i need to do out of the fear that i might lose what i have and what mm -hmm. do i need to do to keep that and mm -hmm. everything kind of starts to trickle down from there mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and i suppose one of the things um uh, I picked up and I suppose I want to explore a little bit further is that you sort of said inherently the idea of, you know, um, a man being, uh, I guess, the, the head of a family and, and all that kind of stuff. There's nothing inherently wrong with that notion. Um, but I guess what I find interesting is that this is that it's this definition that is used to kind of um, highlight that the patriarchy doesn't exist because um, men are no longer the heads of the household. And I often just question that how, I guess, how old school is that in terms of thinking about what a family is these days? I mean, you know, the idea of a nuclear family is a mother, a father and two kids, isn't it? Like, so that's historically what um, society is, you know, as a family, if you're going to have a family, that's the type of family. But I mean, that's so heteronormative for one, you know, man, woman, things like that. Um, the, the concept of what a family unit is in, in these days, if you're, you know, especially if you're taking into consideration same sex relationships and things like that, there are there are a multitude of relationships where people have families, but there's literally not a man involved. Unless, of course, one of those one of one of those um, people within the family happens to be a, a male or boy. Um, so I guess. You know, if we're thinking about the patriarchy having to be, you know, a society where a man is in charge of the of the family, then that's a very sort of old fashioned way of trying to think about how the patriarchy should exist or, or, or family should exist or society should exist. It's um, it's this whole God among, uh, gods among men sort of thing. It's you must adhere, revere, uphold, like bow down to 
serve yeah. men in general absolutely yeah this whole idea that's where that and that and and that translates into the family that translates into the workplace that translates into schools mm-hmm. and you know it yeah it, and it's very it's so insidious that we just don't even like we when we when we take uh, the moment to sit back and start to think about um start to look at our own condition um look at our families look at what we grew up with and we start to think to ourselves actually it was so ingrained and this was a part this was so normal quote unquote this is what we see every day so when i hear men say oh we're no longer the head of the family you know it doesn't exist and all this stuff it's part of this male psychosis of really saying i've been seeing this all my life and now somebody wants to come and change this mm-hmm. and i can't get my head around mm-hmm. that being changed yeah men are not it's close it's, yeah, it's so it's so <laughs> men are not good with change. No, I guess yeah, I guess it's it's um, the the notion of what a family is these days is mm. is changing so much that it's um, and I guess maybe what you're what you're saying is that um, it kind of gives men a sense of well, well, like where do I fit in the family? Like what is my what is my position then in 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 this family? Like if I'm not if I'm not the head of the family then then what am i and actually you know i'm not i don't want to say that that's necessarily a sad thing because i don't mean that in like a pitying way but i do feel like that that's quite um yeah it's quite sad that that's how men or or some men i'm not saying this is all men obviously not all men hashtag not all men um you know the, the the, the fact that there are some men who can only define themselves by the fact that they need to kind of be this um, pillar within a, within a family, um, but then are so confused or lost by the, the idea that that's not the role anymore or that role's changing or that actually women can step into that role and be kind of like the sole breadwinner. Um, yeah. It's, I suppose it's... Like it's in- Sorry, <clears throat> it's like there's an entitlement, isn't it? It's an entitlement. Yeah. Like, as a man, I should be the head. And if I'm not, and this kind of plays into the kind of patriarchal structure in itself, is like if you're not a head, if you're the if you are a man and you're not the head of your family, then who are what does that make you? That makes yeah. you that makes you instantly less of a man. Yeah. And there we have a problem, right? Because now I don't fit into the structure that I've been told is correct. So my reaction to that as a man potentially is either acceptance of being like, oh, I, I accept this, this is okay, this works. Or it can be rage. Like yeah. I, it's my entitlement. I feel entitled because that's what I've been told is the way it is. Mm. And, you know, in the same way I say within family, you know, a patriarchal family and you know, the problem, it's like, I have nothing against a matriarchal family. Right? Wow. Like I said, just do what works. You know, I grew up, yeah. my mum was the head of a household. That was it, you know, because it was me, my mum, my sisters. And when she was married, she she had a husband, my stepdad. Um, and he tried to be the head of the house because that's what he had been taught to do. And it was massively dysfunctional because he didn't care. He wasn't connected. It's like, it was this really weird dynamic of a man who was trying to be that head of the house but actually wasn't fit for purpose and fit for the job. But because he was the man, 
there was elements in it that even my mother accepted him stepping into this because that's what she had always been told is the way that things should be. So it's like so insidious, this idea we have that as a man, he should be the head. Like we all kind of in this delusion of like, oh yeah, this is how it should be. And then even when it happens, we're like, rah, this is shit. Why are we, why are we allowing this to happen? But because we're just all in the same delusion of like, this is how it is. We just kind of go, ah, oh, this is how it is. We accept it. Yeah. You look like you're dying. You know what? I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a space where I'm very much like, it's part of me that wants to leap in with a very irrational response to things. And I'm just actually very much like, you know what? Temper it just for a while. Because my first, my initial thought was at the idea of, you know, I'm not, this is not specific to, you know your stepdad but just the 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 phenomena of what that is you know mum's looking after family stepdad comes in and tries to do all this stuff my whole thing is grow up like literally you have stepped into a whole you've stepped into a system right that has existed I, before you existed even arrived before you yeah. came yeah so now you want to step in and just rehash this whole system because you want to be made to feel x y and z but then i started thinking i i there's another part of me that makes me re- that I realize, I recognize is that society, socially, what does that look like for you socially? And for, and and that's what the patriarchy does. It says that, who are you to other people? Men consistently have been conditioned to look outside of themselves for validation. And when we start to veer away from those expectations it becomes filled with shame anxiety and all of this stuff so it's bad enough quote unquote that you've stepped into a family that's already existed now it's even bad enough that you want to become the head of this thing so everybody can see that you're this person but it's even bad when they reject you now. Or then what you're trying to do doesn't work out quite what so well. You're trying to do doesn't work out so yeah. well because you're stepping into you're trying to step into shoes that don't fit you. They're not your size, they're not your style. And you know, what I mean, like just you know, you know what I'm saying, you better go out shopping and look for something that fits. And and when I say that, I mean you look at the system and figure out and figure out how, you know, what I mean, but that but that that requires a level of self-awareness. But also, but also, as well as as well as self awareness, mm. do you not think that that also um, requires a sense of of because uh, I <clears throat> I guess what I'm trying to say is that you can only know that you have other options if you know that other options are available. So it takes a sense. So you have to have awareness. Mm for one but if you have if you don't know that you sh- could be aware to other options or that other options are available you're probably not going to try and seek to have awareness so what i'm trying to say about that is if a man doesn't know that there are other roles that are available to him he won't look for those roles and he won't know that those roles are open for him to then get step into and fill and i suppose that's what i'm trying to think about in terms of the yeah but this is what exactly what when when and david said it affects everybody yeah because then it does it because then it affects say 
the the matriarch in that situation mm. for example because then she's expecting she doesn't want to have to do all of that by herself so then she's like oh so she's been socialized to believe that because there's a man there they can take that yeah so then they expect that and then all of this gets passed down to the kids because now the kids must fall in line and then it's just a lot it's chaos and i'm just like i opt out of the chaos that's yeah. basically of this whole thing i look at it and i think to myself hmm because I, I don't know what it's like to be in that situation. No. I have no idea what it's like to be in that situation. All no. I know is that is is what I feel I would do based on who I am now. Mm-hmm. And based on that, my whole thing is try to make is, is make it work in the best functional way possible. Because mm-hmm. we see all these tropes and all these things. We've like um, I don't know if you've seen the new Cheaper Other Dozen film. Cheaper by the Dozen. It's um, have you heard of Cheaper by the Dozen, the film? Yeah, with Steve Martin. Yeah, they've been, they've, they've remade it with um, Zach Braff and Gabrielle Union. Okay, and it's like a very it's a blended family essentially. Yeah, and um, it's this whole thing, and it, there's a whole storyline of like uh, Gabrielle Gabriel Union and Zach Braff. They are married, and they blended a family, but they've they were married previously. And there's a whole question around Gabrielle Union's ex-husband who performs the hyper-masculine black male stereotype and trope that we see very often. The athlete, the rich man now, he does all these, like, you know, he wants to look, take his, he wants his children to be with him. He thinks it's chaos in this 12-person house versus the caring, you know, meeker white man who is the nurturing father and all these other things. And now the, now the white father and the black father are clashing because now it's a clash of the heads around masculinity, but who raises who? And I'm bored already because I'm like, this is, like, are we, are we not tired of having these same conversations all the time? But then again, there would be no story if, there were, if that was the case, if that was the thing. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just saying that we see these things perpetuated in different forms in our social, in our, in our, um, in our media, so much so that it just becomes this thing that is just consistently drip fed to yeah. us, especially as kids. And it just, and, it, and it's just, yeah, it's just very wild. Sorry, I just went on a bit of a thing. No. <laughs> Uh, the one thing that we like to do on this podcast is ramble so that's all good (laughs) um i suppose the next so i guess following on from from that so i guess you know i guess we've talked about the idea that there's this definition that um sort of some men's rights activists or accounts or things like that will use that i guess maybe that i suppose they use that in in a way to kind of define the fact that uh, a patriarchal society doesn't exist because men are essentially no longer uh, part of the household um or that at least they're their role as being part of the head of the household is under threat so therefore this you know it can't be true um, so then a- another piece of evidence, I guess, that I'd like to talk about, and, and I'm going to use a quote here from, um, Jordan Peterson, um, which is taken from his GQ, <laughs> <laughs> the hanging of the head, the size, it all says it, no, that's fine. We're going to embrace it and then just have a bit of a chat about it. So this is taken from a, a GQ interview that he did with, with Helen Lewis, Um, I can't remember how long ago it was, probably in the last couple of years. 
and I know David and you and I have had a couple of exchanges about this over social media because um, uh, we both talked about it. So, so I'm just going to read the quotes and then I'm just going to open the floor to both your views. Okay. So the quote says, in what sense is our society male dominated? A huge proportion of people who are seriously disaffected are men. Most men in prison are men. I mean, most people in prison are men. Most people who are on the street are men. Most victims of violent crime are men. Most people who commit suicide are men. Most people who die in wars are men. People who do worse in school are men. Like, where's the dominance here precisely? Okay. So that's the quote. And I think that was said in quite a heated way in the video um, when, when uh, I think Helen Lewis tried to talk about the idea of a male-dominated society, which is essentially what we're talking about when we're talking about the patriarchy. So who wants to go first? You know what? David. <laughs> you want David to go, go first? first. All right. Yes. I love this interview, by the way. I watched it. It's the, it, it was it was videoed, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that interview. It was really good. I think the thing to remember here is just because these things are true, which you know, they are the, the yeah. level the level of which they're true, because you know this is Jordan Peterson, so he's very careful with his words. Um, doesn't necessarily say the patriot doesn't exist. <laughs> like, yeah, if we can start drilling into this, like you know. What men are in prison, especially in 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 you know the US has like what five percent of the world population, twenty five percent of the world's prison population. Yeah, prison's business over there, <laughs> right? And it's going to be business in the UK very soon too. Who's in prison in the US mostly? People of color, black men, yeah, black men, people on the lower end of the class the class scale, the same people we all acknowledge that the patriarchy isn't there to cater for, right? The same with the people on the streets. You know, what's, I don't know what the statistics around people who are homeless and mental health issues, but I'm imagining it is very high in terms of percentage-wise. Again, those people do not fit into the patriarchy's view of what a man needs to be. So they're excluded. Yep. They're excluded. It's still male-dominated. The, the same men, men are dominating over these other men, right? Violent crime, it's men on men, right? Murder, it's men killing men most of the time, right? So... Just because these things affect men negatively, it doesn't necessarily mean that our system isn't male-dominated. It just says that those men are not cared for within the system, right? The yeah. system is catering for men like Jordan Peterson. Basically, Jordan Peterson is like the patriarchy. He says a lot of stuff. He says a lot of a what aboutism, is what I call it. It's like someone says a point, he's like, yeah, but what about... And that's his whole point here. It's like, well, what about men? <laughs> you know, that's, his, that's a lot of his rhetoric. So just because men are affected by the patriarchy, it doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't exist. Like that's, like I can't even think of something else that would sound as ridiculous as that. Like it's, it's just a response that someone can just kind of have and just to dismiss the point. He's refusing to discuss it. He's dismissing in that instance. Like I'm not talking about this. I won't talk about this. Go away from me. Is <laughs> He might as well replace those words. With that. Yeah, with just yeah, I'm just not going to have a conversation about this. Yeah. I think what's interesting in that quote, and um, it's it's I've left it out of it because I just wanted to take the bits about how men were affected. But in the in the quote, he says, or uh, Helen Lewis says, talks about how um, that you know uh, 
I think society is male dominated, dominated. And he goes, a small proportion of men, it's dominated by a small proportion of men. And then goes on to say all these things about how men are disaffected. And in my head, I was like, she's just said that society is male dominated. And you've just gone by a small proportion of men and then listed about, and then gone on for a whole list of how men are disaffected. And then said, how is that male dominance? And I was like, but literally right at the start, you just said that it's a small proportion of men. So regardless of whether it's a small proportion of men or whether the dominance is equally shared amongst every single man, man, which it's not obviously based on that information, you still said it's, you know, society is, is dominated by a small proportion of men. That's still male dominance in my view. And I'm, and I was just like, You've, <laughs> you've, you've argued the point that men are disaffected, but right at the very beginning, you agreed that in the, in the tier system, as it were, because that's, that's the world we live in, don't we? We live in a tier system where certain people who are willing to commit a large proportion of their life to either working ridiculous hours or being really cutthroat in, in the efforts to make a lot of money and essentially sort of through that disaffect other people who like you saying david who don't fit a specific category of man or even just individual and person in general um they're essentially just fighting their way to the top of the dog pile aren't they but the men at the top of the dog pile i mean the people at the top of the dog pile are still men aren't they so that's still male dominated um so anyway, so I've, I've uh, jumped in there, but thank you very much for that, David. Alex. It's basically what he's done is he's agreed. He's gone, yeah, I yeah. agree. <laughs> yes. I agree. Essentially, yeah. he said, yes, I absolutely agree with you, but also look at all at how men gone. And I was just like, um, you haven't disproved her point. Because he could never be seen in public to be agreeing with a woman. No, no probably <laughs> no. Oh, God. Can you imagine what he would do for his reputation? Unless it's his in daughter. public. Unless it's his daughter. Unless it's who, his daughter, but his daughter agrees with him. She exactly. Is. So, you know, both of them, it's just, you know, it's a man agreeing with a woman. So, hey, men and women can get on together. So, the thing about Jordan Peterson, right, and I'm just going to say this, he forgets that he is a white man. He absolutely, <laughs> he just, he literally forgets it. He, it's the one thing that he just misses completely it just doesn't exist for him so that's why he can talk about all these things outside of the container of what he's talking about because he doesn't have any intersections to speak in he just speaks as a as a generality so when he's speaking to people from the margins he can't connect with what they're saying because he absolutely has no idea about the power in which his presence and what his presence actually says in the systems that we have today, which is why he can sit there and say, oh yeah, by a few white men and then list off all of these things that are happening, but not actually speak specifically to what those, in, why those individual things happen. And they only happen because we live under a patriarchal system. So that's the only reason it happens. And when we start to question so I love um, Hamilton, right? Mm-hmm. I have the soundtrack. I'm singing that down the street. You know, the Skylar sisters, Skylar sisters. Yeah, I'm just doing all this different stuff until I Google who they are. And then I'm like, I right, okay. Very interesting. Now, 
there are particular things that Hamilton misses. Obviously, it's a very it's a very glorified version of the founding fathers of the United States and what things happen. And obviously, it's it's the casting is predominantly people of color, and it's taken hip hop references and R and B references from across the past 10, 15 years in order to make it a, a, a different telling of the story and whatnot. But if we go back to its bare bones, it is the system. It is the patriarchal system. It is. It is capitalism, which has the basis of patriarchy in it. It was only men in the room speaking about that. And it's only ever a specific kind of man in the room. So obviously white, landed gentry, and Christian, Anglo-Saxon, typically. Those are the things that set the foundation for the systems that we have today but that came from obviously it came from England and came from Europe across so to say that where you are it's just it just looks like a, a, a just a blatant ignorance for your own existence because you're going through this exist existential crisis like, like Jordan Peterson and and you know people that follow him in his thought going through this existential crisis of as a white man and being attacked we've never been attacked in history because of because of our race oh no my whole identity is over and I have no idea about x y and z but it's about but it's it's the systematic avoidance of reckoning with what has what has happened over history because of that yeah and it's because of that centering you know and it's an absolute it's an absolute kind of defense and as david was saying like a dismissal of of the the recognition of um what he as a white heterosexual um yeah um man represents because he because i guess and i suppose what you what you mentioned about how um you know uh white men essentially are under attack so that well the concept of whiteness is under attack the concept of right. being a man is is under attack the concept of heterosexuality is under attack i say under attack i mean it's being discussed it's being um broken down the 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 concepts uh, the, the the concepts are being sort of discussed and sort of being agreed that actually they're not the be all and end all and they're not sort of like the pinnacle of things that need to be um achieved or maintained in order to be a, a human being of value in society so when i say attacked i don't feel like they're being attacked but some people might assume that they're being attacked and actually i think part and parcel of this denial of the patriarchy is this whole idea of um men, men feel attacked or white men specifically feel attacked and they are like well we've gone through an entire sort of you know age of life um that we don't we can't even remember where men have just been da, 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 da. we've just well white men again i'll you know I'll, I'll i'll clarify that when i say white men have just sort of um coasted through life without a care or a worry in the world m mostly i'm not saying that no one's ever had a, an issue or something like that um but all of a sudden this these these um social constructs of whiteness and the social constructs of of of, of men um are being called into question and the, and the people who embody those particular identities um i guess because they don't understand 
maybe that they are social constructions and that they can be um, deconstructed and thought about and potentially dismantled. Um, but they, they yeah, they're feeling, they're feeling attacked. And because of that, they are feeling defended. And, and, and that particular reaction from Jordan Peterson was a massive defense. And I feel like all of these arguments by men about how men are impacted are just knee-jerk defenses to say, well, the patriarchy can't exist. And actually, let's try not. There is no system to dismantle because men are being fucked over. So let's Ooh, try and not. Right. Let's try and let's just ignore it because mm-hmm. there is no system. Sorry, Dave, you had your hand up. It's all very Freudian, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's, and on that point, I have another point, but it's like, if I can get you to ignore the fact the thing exists, yeah, then I, everything you say after that, I can just dismiss, right? Yeah. You know, Jordan exactly. Peterson effect here. The, the thing is, is I really empathize with these guys. I have, compa- I have a lot of compassion for, mm. for men who feel attacked. And I'm going to bring it back, not just from white men as men, because when we talk about masculinity, the patriarch, when we hear the word patriarchy, a lot of men, they they feel a physical reaction of like this mean this patriarchy equals men, right? And that's being attacked. So I'm being attacked. It's like when we talk mm-hmm. about masculinity and toxic masculinity. I've seen in my own self when I see conversations. I've been part of many conversations about toxic mas- toxic masculinity. My body, my nervous system goes into a state of of wanting to defend, and I have to consciously go, wait, there's nothing. There's it's okay. There's no one's attacking you. They're just talking about masculinity, which is this thing outside of you. It's not who you mm. are. Mm. But if you don't even realize that's how you're feeling, you literally do feel like someone's attacking you. And mm. for that reason, I have a lot of empathy. Like I have a lot of my clients are, are white men and they, a lot of our conversation is around acknowledgement of like, God, oh man, I'm really privileged. Yes, it is. Yes, you are. Okay. What can you do with this privilege and so forth? <laughs> but there's a lot of ways to go when you feel attacked, you know? Mm. It's like acknowledging, like, is this really an attack? Am I really being attacked? Is someone actually coming at me with an axe or trying to take away from me? And it's also acknowledging, like, oh, yeah, I've actually lived a state where these couple of criteria have meant that there's certain things in my life I've never had to deal with, I've never had to worry about. So let me take on off this hat and put on someone else's hat for a moment and see if I can step into their shoes and what that perspective would, would be like. But for Jordan Peterson to do that, he would have to give a fuck about other people. You know, and ultimately, like, this guy is white, middle-aged, university-educated, professor, what was he, a professor of, uh, I can't remember what university was in Canada. He's at the University of Toronto. I think he was a professor of, like, mysticism and... He basically focused on, like, mysticism and symbols. I think it was, like, semiotics. Um, mm. that sort of stuff. So, so like he's never experienced like imagine just to be a professor of that like you would have had to go through it's a very kind of esoteric thing to be teaching you know he wasn't like, worried he's a psychologist. about money he's a psychologist you know it wasn't worried about money <laughs> you know he was just thinking what would be interesting for him to consider so he's for him to step into other people's shoes in that way mm. he's so entrenched in his own thinking and the righteousness and the correctness of his own thinking that is almost uncomfortable for him to step in someone's shoes because it would challenge his ideas. And it's clear that he doesn't really want to challenge his ideas. I don't want to get into too much of like of a deep analysis of him personally, mm. but I do feel as if though um, it's all quite 
capitalistic and you'll probably deny this from the from the heels up right but if you know you have an audience that can that bites on the kind of stuff that he talks about because i've listened to his lectures around symbolism and um you know you had this conversation around harry potter you know i'm a big fan i just <laughs> i just i thought that's how you that's how you get me in you know um so uh he had a conversation it was, and he had a lecture on like the symbolism of the chamber of secrets and what that looks like and kind of um and those sorts of things and like when we look at the stuff that he's actually got the phd in and he has the expertise and the knowledge in um and he's i know he's done conversations with Russell Brand where he's talked about um when we took when we look at uh you know the the the, the holy trinity but they've missed out the, the fourth quadrant which is the mother and they've done all these I mean, he speaks that's the stuff that I'm interested in and that's the stuff that I will always say because I work in a, in a really weird cognitive space with him because I'm like when you talk about your 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 knowledge and the stuff that you studied and worked towards it's brilliant but when we start to step into social issues for somebody that doesn't, for someone that's so objective and doesn't like emotion, you get super emotional about the stuff. And but that's the stuff that people latch onto. So then he can come to Wembley and sell out a stadium or an arena or whatever mm-hmm. he's doing and have all of these people and have super successful books and all these different things because that's what people um, gravitate towards. They gravitate mm-hmm. towards somebody who thinks like them. And I think that's really, that's really interesting. And, um, and I think, and I think you're right, though, in in the sense that you know, <clears throat> whether it's done for capitalistic gains or whatever, you know, I'm sure he would have an opinion that maybe says that his his intentions are sort of you know, sure. purely purely um, sort of yeah, um, wanting to work for the disenfranchised man. I'm sure he would say that. Um, but I guess what what Jordan Peterson seems to have been is this: he's he is a focal point for well he's the voice apparently of the disenfranchised man and he seems to he seems to have come about at a time where men are feeling this way and he is he is their um champion i suppose as it were uh which again as you're saying alex doesn't seem to have almost anything to do with the stuff that he's actually good at yeah you know in terms of like all his um, mysticism and, and all the stuff that the symbolism and all that kind of stuff because I guess you know t- two things can be true at once isn't it so he can be a, mm. a very clever man in respect to the things that he <clears throat> talks about studies you know I'm probably sure he's even a very good psychologist because you know there are some of some stuff that he says I'm like oh yeah that actually you know that that that's that's a good piece of life advice you know mm. so it's not to say that he's an absolute crackpot completely mm. but there are you know, there is a lane in which you kind of not, you don't have to stay in your lane because I'm not saying that people need to be defined by the, the things that they do, but I guess he has somehow managed to mm-hmm. gravitate towards this position where actually all his stuff that he did his PhD and all the stuff that he, I read, you know, he wrote this book called Maps of Meaning, which I've not, which I've not read, but I'm, I'm, I am aware that he wrote a book prior to um, 12 things. Rules for Life and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> but he just seems to have, he just seems to be this kind of vessel through which um, he is now speaking for for for, for men who, who are in this um, difficult um, 
phase of their life where or, or, or where this yeah where this this, this yeah this this weird social time where masculinity is is being questioned or men are being questioned or, or men's roles in society are being questioned yeah i mean I've, 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 my last point on this really is that there is a um he, he and in that interview specifically he doesn't have he doesn't hold responsibility for what other people do with what he said yeah which is very interesting because mm he's objectively if we were devoid of feeling and like just generally just literally had none of that and we were just literally just like fact 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 what he's saying he is saying facts yeah it's it's the way he's saying it and how he's using it mm-hmm. as a way to diminish another person's argument and do mm-hmm. all of this sort of and just do all this sort of fandango magic with his words mm-hmm. and it's just very strange to me that yeah. you can see you can actively see how you are contributing to incel culture how you're actively in contributing to women being harmed online um and in everyday life and you can actively see that if you look if you just yeah. look but he doesn't but he's not but he's he's avoiding that level of responsibility because it would then mean he would have to take accountability for that and then he would have to feel something yeah or realize actually that what he's saying is having some kind of wider societal impact which kind of then almost reinforces this whole fucking notion of the patriarchy which he's then denying because of xyz and what you're saying alex about his accountability and how or how he refuses to take accountability um is incredible because um, so often, uh, you know, across all the media platforms, TikTok, Instagram, um, Twitter, you know, men who have strong misogynistic views and strong um, sexist views and such strong disregard for seeing women as, um, you know, equal human beings deserving of respect and, and value, they like all use his quotes. They they quote everything that he says, and they and they like it, he is just a poster boy for all of this stuff. And I feel like if that was me, and my words were being used to kind of fuel this um, manosphere culture, I would just want to be like lads. <laughs> it's not what I'm about. Like I am not for this. This is not my. This is not my intention. You are using my words out of context. I do not endorse any of like I would I would make as much noise about not wanting to be associated with that kind of world um, that it would be that people would just be like oh no fuck you know let, let's not use any of Daniel's quotes because that guy is just he's he's like the anti manosphere I'd be like yeah I am I am definitely the anti manosphere don't use any of my shit but he doesn't does he he's just like well you know i can't really control what people do with my stuff and it is it is what it is equally there was i don't know david you know the whole kevin samuels situation Oy. um and so kevin are you aware of kevin samuels daniel so I, I am i am aware of kevin samuels and he was one of the, he was a person that i was quite interested in looking into a little bit more mm. um but I, i'm aware that he was for lack of a better phrase i guess problematic um yeah. and he's recently died so uh, yes, i know yes, that yes, much yes. 
So yeah, Kevin Samuels, he delivered um, his teachings in probably not the academic way that, say, Jordan Peterson did, but a very similar articulate kind of, these are the facts, I'm telling what I'm telling you is this, how you feel about it, that's your own personal business. I don't really, I don't have to care about how you feel about it. Um, and it's just very similar. So I wanted to bring him up as a way of just saying, of just saying there's so many more of these people out there um, because he, um, he really honed it. Like his, his whole thing was like, he was a style, like he's a, um, Image consultant. Image consultant, that's the word. Yeah, he's an image consultant and he pivoted, I mean, he was good at his job and then he pivoted into giving life advice Mm -hmm. to people who um, came from really vulnerable situations um, and, you know, men and women, and he would dress them down to the point of let's batter you Let's let's get rid of all of this performance that you're bringing here. You need a man that's this high and this length and this everything. But then, when, and for men who are like, you need a woman here, and he would just dress them down, and he would really. But the way he would do it was very patriarchal, was very paternalistic, was very discipline heavy, was very like um, it was just it, there was just no care left. There was just no care left there. You know, if he was your therapist, you'd actually just. Both into a and, and car, yeah. yeah, yeah, they would, but he didn't need to. He didn't need to create that container for them. But he had very similar energy to Jordan Peterson. Um, it was very much like what I'm saying is that, and if you, I, I, what I'm saying is this, and if you are offended by that, that is not my problem. And yeah. but then, but the but the, the issue is that there were a lot of black men who, like, I had family members sending me videos of Kevin Samuels and I'm like do you not know what I stand for like literally me as your as your family member as what I do publicly like do you not know what I stand for for you to send me this this makes no sense to me do you know what I mean and Mm. you know and I had conversations around this over Christmas I had conversations about all these different conversations around this man is not here to help anybody Nice. And this stuff and um and it's just really interesting to me how i could see that directly come because a lot of the men that i knew in my immediate communities they didn't know who jordan peterson was but they knew who kevin samuels was and that's a very and i just find that very interesting how like just as a sociological like tool around marketing and whatnot how you target very specific people and how yeah. these things land in your lap and what yeah. you lap up as a as a fact mm-hmm. and as a way for you to then go and continue and live your life i find it fascinating but it's also very harmful mm-hmm. because now my thing is you know, as, as men and as black men typically different disenfranchised in the societies that we live in yeah. who are then operating in this way towards other black women as a way of being validated by this man, belittling and berating and really bashing women down mm. to the ground and also utilizing those same tactics to battle and, and belittle other black men down. found it very fascinating, very disappointing, but that's, that's, that's the nature of what the manosphere 
does. Yeah. Both of them, from what I can see, they disconnect from the other, anyone outside of them, through intellect. Yeah. I'm smart. I'm delivering information. This is information. What you do with this information and how you feel about this is not my problem. They mm-hmm. disconnect emotionally through intellect. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, this is something, you know, where else do we see this in the workplace? <laughs> like, I'm the smartest person in the room. So I can say whatever I want. How you feel about it, that's your problem. I'm not responsible yeah. for your emotions. I'm not responsible for your feelings. Mm-hmm. I have no duty of care in how this information lands and affects your life. Yeah. You know, I, had a, I had an issue with, um, I'll, I'll let you peek behind the curtain a little bit with regards to my book. And um, when I was deciding the subtitle, the subtitle is, the book's called Time to Talk, but the subtitle is How Men Think About Love, Belonging and Connection. And I, and I battled for as long as I could with saying how men feel about love, belonging and connection. And it just wouldn't, they, just, it would, they would not let go of the fact that it had to be think. Um, and, and what you just said, Daniel, kind of makes me think like, yeah, that's why in a sense because think when it comes to thinking that attracts men yeah thinking like i've I've seen it first time when people are like when people see emotions or see things that are not done correctly like, aren't you thinking aren't you thinking aren't you thinking it's like it's not about the thinking it's literally about asking about what the feeling is Mm. and um so yeah it's a it's a tricky it's a tricky one but these guys they stir up anger and they do, and I guess you know. I guess what they, what they do, or, or the things that they say, and, and I suppose they're the the very clinical, correct, unarguable facts that they talk about. They exist because they are true. You know, um, you as much as you want, you can probably try and dispute it. But if you Google, you know, um, what the sort of percentage of men, or or what the sort of um, gender makeup is of of of, of rough sleepers and, and stuff in in the UK. I did that for a recent post to prove a point. Um, but it is it's eight out of you know it's eight out of eight out of ten people are men who are rough sleepers in the UK. So it's not wrong, but I guess it's the it's the way in which the information is used and the purpose behind the information, and um, and I guess it's it's the, the the whole rationale is to say this supposed patriarchy that you talk about or this supposed um, system that benefits men is always supposed to benefit men actually doesn't benefit men um, and this is the the myriad of, of information that exists in order to do that so I guess I suppose what I want to move on to now is discussing what so that so this hot first section was about trying to think about what men say the patriarchy is and why it doesn't exist. So what I thought would be helpful is to try and talk about what the patriarchy actually is in terms of, in, in terms of why it exists, how it exists. Um, and that it's not just about, so when it says, so, so when it's about benefiting men, that it's a very particular set of, of men that it's meant to benefit. Well, there you go. Nice little cliffhanger at the end there for you. (laughs) Um, But I guess an idea of what the next episode will entail. 
Um, hopefully you have taken something of value away from the first half of this conversation between myself, Alex and David. Uh, in the next episode, we take a bit more of an explorative look into what we're, the, the three of us understand the patriarchy to actually be. Um, and as always, please feel free to get in touch. Uh, on Instagram, you can find Alex Holmes on uh, at by Alex Holmes, and David Chambers can be found on at the authentic man underscore, and you can find me there too. Uh, just search for the narcissist psychologist. There's far too many underscores for me to read it out now. Um, so please come say hi. Let us know what you thought of the episode, um, and you know if you could please leave a favourable comment, review, or rating on whatever platform you're listening to this episode on. Uh, many thanks, and as always. Have a good day, or not, no pressure.